Okay, recording. My name is Adam Fairholm. Welcome to the Filmed Insert Music Video Land podcast. With me, um, as recommended by our moms, is Doug Klinger. How you doing, Doug? Super good, Adam. How are you? I'm very good. This is take one here. Let's do it. Let's just take it home all Dude, the way. Well, oh, no, no, no. This is serious this time. It is serious. Um, it's serious for different reasons. We get serious all the time for all sorts of different reasons on the show. And this week... Uh, We're serious because we have Sammy Krigstein, who is the founder of the LA Music Video Festival on the show, which we are really excited to uh, to talk to, who we're really excited to talk to. Uh, we met her when we were in LA last weekend, and um, this festival is, is, I mean, in the whole scheme of things, is pretty much brand new. It's in its second year. It's coming up uh very very soon it is going to be on may 4th through the 5th 2012 this year um at the downtown independent theater in los angeles and it's passes are only 20 bucks to go uh it's gonna be a really good time um i am not able to attend but doug you will be there oh yeah i will definitely be there super excited about it there are very few um very very few music video festivals in the world um this is definitely the premier event for music videos festival wise in the united states uh there are a few in uh, i think there's a few in europe very small ones Uh, but as you'll hear in the interview what sammy is doing is really really cool they're not just watching i mean they, they are it's part of it watching music videos in a theater um, they've got all sorts of stuff going on from panels to uh, um, to a keynote speaker who you may have heard of, Mr. Eric Wareheim of Tim and Eric, who is a, has made some really fantastic and interesting videos in, uh, you know, music videos in his own right. And um, so there's a lot of really, really cool stuff going on with this festival. And uh, if you're in L.A. area and can make it, we really uh, recommend going. So we're going to talk to Sammy in the second half of the show but and and while you're there by the way look for me because i will definitely have business cards that's true so that's all i just wanted to highlight the fact that there were there were going to be business cards involved here so just this is yeah this is another reason why we're serious we have we have uh business cards happening i was um if you want to see a nice business card i highly recommend uh greg ephraim's business card very interesting. That's, that's a very, very, very nice business card. Greg Ephraim, uh, director of photography, uh, com, And um, member his, of RSM. Member of RSM. His uh, business card is two cherubs with like an old timey still camera. Right. Uh, he has agents. He did. We met both of his agents. I did not know that you could, that uh, director or like cinematographers or directors of photography had agents, but it's true. If no. if any if any DP had an agent though he would be the he would be the right one to have it he's pretty uh pretty high up there he's a pretty fancy guy 
with just if you even if you're just basing it solely on his business card, really. Really, and it's and it's see, it's it's thick. It's a nice thick business card. Um, really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. When you look, when you get the filmed insert business cards, get ready for some paper thin stuff. Something that <laughs> if you if you accidentally washed our business card. It's it's not only gone, but it's ruined your clothes. Uh, if you if you watch uh, wa- if you wash Greg's business card, it's gonna come out just cleaner. It's um yeah business card they're gonna be cut out with scissors, so watch out for that. Um, and you know and you get you get sloppy toward the end, so make sure you get them early. Um, sloppy cutting toward the end. Doug may have a sheet <laughs> of business cards that are eight by ten that he's cutting just out with six scissors. Six of them, yeah. Just hand them out to people, cut them. It's not perforated. Now, um, there's been some uh, interesting slash funny news in the music video world in the last few days that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how groundbreaking this this had had been up until this point, but now we're making this we're making this world news. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big fan of Portlandia, and Portlandia is is the IFC show. Um, starring Fred Armisen of SNL and uh, Carrie Brownstein of formerly of uh, Sleater Kinney, uh, current lead guitarist singer of Wild Flag, and it is a sketch comedy show, and it is in second season right now. But one of the uh, sketches they did that was absolutely hilarious was directly related to music videos. I think we might have mentioned it before. Well, and- the show is also related to music videos in that in in that the one of the lead editors on the show is Doug Pound. Who was a guest on our uh, music video land podcast? But please continue in a further way of how it is further relevant to the world of music videos. Well, they did a um, uh, parody that was a two-part parody: a parody of Kickstarter, which is of course the website where you can go on and group fund projects, and also a parody of music videos. I think we mentioned this before in the podcast, but they go ahead. But anyway, you can. Um, this link will be in the show notes. Uh, we definitely tweeted the link before. Yeah, basic, can... basically, it's an artist and their and uh, the director, uh, played by Brownstein and Armisen, who are sitting and talking about the music video they want to make, and it is uh, hilariously awful. And it's illustrated by these eye stock photo watermarked pictures, um, uh, using such uh, you know narrative devices as the wise man who knows nothing, just sort of these cliche sort of film school things. And I thought this was just sort of a, um, you know, it was a really, really funny, really kind of hit home for for a few things. I did not know that it was actually based on a real Kickstarter campaign video. Because it could it could really be based on any <laughs> Kickstarter <laughs> campaign video. I mean, even and and there, I'm not saying that there aren't some deserving Kickstarter, uh, you know, accounts or whatever they're called out there, um, but they all are kind of kind of cut from this kind of cloth of just like help me make my fun thing mm-hmm. or something so this could be, really be based on any of them um but it happens yeah like as you're saying it happens to be based on a very specific one the the band's called i am eve and they were looking for the uh it says a real goal is twenty five thousand dollars, just like it is in the parody video on portlandia but they raised um six thousand of the, but of two thousand dollar goal so i'm not really sure I, but in the video, they talk about a higher goal. I think that when with a Kickstarter account, you're able to roll back your goal. Because oh, I know yeah. that Matt Wells had a Kickstarter account for a short film that he made. Um, and he actually increased his goal. Like, he met his goal several days early. So added to it. Well, uh, well the, so the, short, the you, long and short of it is the music video came out. You might be able to roll it back. 
Well, the music video came right, out. Right, right, right. Yes, and, that is that is the long... And it's called Throw Me a Line by I Am Eve. It's on the site. You can check it out. And it'll also be in the show notes as well. And it is... Um, I don't know. What do you think of the video? The, the video is, is... It's not horrible. It's not as horrible as I hoped it would be. Yeah. Uh, because the... The the video in Portlandia, the the sketch is the fake pitch. It's not the fake video. And so, what I think is so great about the whole thing is to compare the two pitches, kind of back it back to back, and and the fact that the the real pitch actually has elements that are even more ridiculous than what's in the Portlandia sketch. For example, there's a scene where they they show a little piece of the director of the video's IMDb page. He's just like, I've worked on a lot of, you know, collaborative efforts. And then they like, on top of what he's saying, like show a little piece of his IMDb page, uh, which is actually more ridiculous than the things that happened in the, in the Portlandia episode. So I think that they were, they were kind of kind to I Am Eve, considering how over the top. And she also says something, uh, she calls somebody her musical soulmate, mm-hmm. which is also a very ridiculous phrase that they didn't use in the Portlandia sketch. So, so I was very excited to see that that was an actual music video that came out, and um, it's always it seems like for everything in Portlandia, there's a very real uh, uh, sort of inspiration for it, like the uh, lesbian bookstore. There's that's an actual bookstore. Uh, they don't really do a lot of set dressing for that. They just kind of dress up and go in there. And a lot of these places, I think the Deuce, uh, the Deuce Hotel, there's actually a hotel in Portland that is that is very similar to that. So a lot of uh, interesting things going on there. And the other one is that, uh, you know, people will dump, you know, you know, the whole political move where you take bad news and you dump it on Fridays, like a, like a Friday afternoon. So it gets the yeah, yeah, so amount of press it, it, possible. Right, right. Uh, Drake did that last week with two music videos, which I was surprised was surprised by. I, I'm not sure why they did that, but they they released them late last Friday. Um, Are they bad music videos? No, they're really good. Um, and and one of them is a Higher, which uh, have you seen this? It's bar mitzvah themed. <laughs> no, no, it's H H Y F R, not Higher H Hyfer. Whatever, uh, featuring Lil Wayne, directed by Lil X. It's bar mitzvah themed. It is bar mitzvah themed. Drake is getting bar mitzvah. It appears to be an actual party. It is a it, it is a really really entertaining video, um, and I just want to point people to that because it uh, they may have missed it on uh, on Friday there. Yeah, you're. Uh, when Drake puts out videos, he's definitely open for the help of Filmed Insert to get those spread around. Exactly. Yeah. What I will, what I will say, just going quickly back to the Portlandia sketch, is if you, if you, which brings me to a point about the site. There's a feature on some videos where there are behind the scenes and parody, parody videos associated with a music video can be found on Filmed Insert if they exist, and um, you can find both the real and the fake versions of the Kickstarter campaign on the I Am Eve throw me a line video and so if you're interested check them out there as well and also check out that cool new feature that we got how about that there we go should we mention that we improved the search do people care yeah no no i think that we should definitely mention that like because that's a big that was a big upgrade uh anyone who tried to search something on this site before probably ran into some difficulties well not anymore those difficulties are gone i guess we should mention that um 
you know, what we're trying to do is build kind of core tools for the site because we know it's still in an early stage and we know that the um, kind of basis of the site is built around these different tools. So we have a few of them in mind. And one of the ones that's, that's really important is search tool because that's the way people find things. I don't bore anybody with the technical details, but we just made a major upgrade to the search. Um, so it is, you know, a little more contextual. So let's say you search for um, Hiro Murai, who is the director. Um, you know, before you probably got uh, his name, hopefully, maybe you didn't. Um, and you probably got a lot of irrelevant stuff. And now when you search for Hiro Murai, uh, you'll get him first. But you also get the two podcasts that he was on, as well as a bunch of his music videos as well that he directed. So, um, you know, we're always, you know, search is really something that's really central to how the site operates. So we've, we've, uh, we've been working on that and that sort of the back end, the logic behind that. So... Um, you know, as 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 new features come out, we we post them on uh, Tumblr as well. But we'll also talk about them briefly on the podcast. And uh, when when Adam says that we have been working on that stuff, what he really means is that he has been working on that stuff. And I will say that's awesome. And uh, that's that's our working relationship when it comes to new features on the site. So definitely direct all your thanks to me because I did it all. Thanks, Doug. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, I believe it's time to get into our into our interview because I am definitely excited about our interview today, this week. And as I mentioned, as, as er- am I, as am I. Don't I don't want you to anyone to think that just for a, for a, for a second that Adam is more excited than I am because it's not true. It's just no. not true. I'm sorry for insinuating that. But uh, this week's interview is with, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Sammy Krigstein, who is the director and founder of the LA Music Video Festival, which is coming up soon. It is the middle of April right now, 2012, and the festival is happening in Los Angeles, May 4th, 5th. Um, and tickets are extremely reasonably, reasonably priced, so get yours today. Um, and, you know, Douglas Klinger will also be there as well, uh, giving out business cards that he made on his home computer, and he cut out with scissors. So without further ado, Sammy's got all the details and uh, can tell it to you better than we can. So here we go, our interview with Sammy Krigstein. My name is Sammy Krigstein. I am the founder and director of the Los Angeles Music Video Festival. And we're in our second year trying to spread the love for music video creators and fans. So right off the bat, what is the, the dates and uh, what, what are the dates and times of the, this year's music video festival? Because right now, for anybody listening to this in the future, we're in early April 2012. The festival is going to be over the course of two nights, May 4th and 5th, which is a Friday night and a Saturday night in downtown L.A. at the Downtown Independent Theater. And the festivities will start around 5 o'clock on both nights and go till 1030. So give us a little bit of a sort of overview of what the festival is. Or actually, well, I guess let's start with the uh, uh, history of it, because if for people who aren't familiar, there are very few music video festivals um, in the U.S. There are a few very small ones in uh, Europe, but you guys are definitely the biggest and most prominent in the U.S. 
So, and, you know, as you mentioned on your website, there are other music video, or other festivals have little music video portions, but you guys are 100% music videos. How did, how did this whole concept get initially started? Well, I have always loved music videos. I have the, um, the triple pack, you know, director's editions of uh, Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry and Chris Cunningham those DVDs from back right. in the day. Nice. I don't know if you guys ever saw those, but <laughs> I think Doug, I, Doug, do you have those? Do you might have one of those, right? I don't yeah, know. Ab- absolutely. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure those DVDs are a prerequisite for being on this podcast because <laughs> much everybody we've talked to has, uh, owns at least one or the whole set. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah oh, I'm the representative funny. of, I'm the staff representative of that, of <laughs> owning those DVDs. Well, I, yeah, I played the hell out of those. Um, and so that was, I think, where I started getting really interested in them um, aesthetically, you know, more than just kind of watching them on MTV for fun back in the day when MTV played music videos. Um, and uh, so I've always kind of been a fan. Uh, I've never made music videos, but I went to USC and I looked around at one point and I realized all of my friends were either aspiring musicians or aspiring filmmakers and all of them were making music videos. And this was around the time when like the 5D came out and so everyone was shooting in HD and um, you know just videos were looking beautiful and they were cheaper to make than ever and cooler than ever but MTV had stopped showing them. There really wasn't the same attention that they had when I was younger and it just sort of it just seemed like there was a disconnect you know like all the kids uh were making them and loving them but like grown-ups didn't see it you know didn't get it and um I just thought maybe there was a market there that wasn't being served and I had had some experience at film festivals and really liked them I liked being in a theater with a bunch of people um, experiencing watching something together, you know, and uh, and also just hearing from the filmmakers and um, the the communal feeling was just something special. In contrast to watching things as I normally did in my dorm room on my laptop by myself, so uh, that was happening. I was I was into music videos. I had friends who were making them, and I was into film festivals, and then. One thing in particular really made me want to start a festival, and that was that I had a friend who was in a music video class at the film school at USC, and he threw together a music video for this assignment and put it up on YouTube as like an afterthought. And I think if you look it up today, it was to MGMT Kids, before Kids came out as a single. Um, His name is John Salmon. I think today it has over 40 million views or something crazy. And it was so successful and so cool um, that the band actually contacted John and flew him out to New York and had the stars of his video appear in their next official video. And it seemed to me like something that could only happen today with YouTube. And um, I just thought the potential, what kids were doing, you know, uh, to songs they didn't have the rights to just with the cameras that they had and their own creativity was rivaling anything professionally made and uh, and that the whole process had become kind of democratized and and so I just wanted to celebrate that. 
Um, another thing that you you mentioned on your web, on the festival website is that you know YouTube and Vimeo they'll they'll house music videos and they host music videos, but they're not really celebrating music videos. And I was I was wondering if you could kind of get into some of the ways that the uh, the that your film festival is uh, going to be celebrating music videos. Well, uh, the biggest beef that I had with music video the music video watching experience um, was this thing of like I would see this gorgeously shot produced edited video on my laptop via YouTube or via Vimeo you know on this tiny little screen with these horrible speakers and it didn't seem to be doing the video justice just technically right uh, right off the bat just technically it's a horrible viewing experience and so the first way that we celebrate music videos is by taking them off of people's laptops and putting them on a huge screen with perfect sound um, and a room full of living people experiencing it together. So I think that that does justice to the work being done in a totally different way. Um, and so that sort of celebrates them from a technical perspective. Um, the other ways that we celebrate music videos is we try and include all of the people that have a hand in making the product. So um, our keynote speaker this year is going to be Eric Wareheim, who is a kick-ass music video director, uh, but he doesn't do it alone. He's bringing on stage with him his editor, his producer, and they're all going to talk about the videos they've made together and screen their videos and even screen some videos that have influenced them because I think that all of you need all of those people. Um, so we celebrate not just the band, not just the director, but really everyone. And then even beyond that, another way that we celebrate music videos is by taking a step back and looking at the industry that supports them. We have a panel called The Business of Videos, and it includes music video commissioners, um, directors, reps, production houses, um, you know, the people even a step more removed from the music video making process because the people that come to the festival are interested in all of those little pieces. You know, music videos are maybe a little mysterious to them, so we want to demystify um, while we celebrate the art form. When you, um, yeah, the, the whole theater experience that you guys um, have going, when, you, when somebody goes to like one of the nights in the music video festival, Describe sort of like what their experience is like. Is it like sitting in a movie theater where there's, you know, like an hour and a half long program of music videos or, or you guys have speakers and other panels, things like that? How do you guys break that up? So I try and make it as easy of a like user experience as possible because um, I kind of feel like we have to train people to enjoy the music video festival because it's kind of this new concept. Um I try and keep the programming to hour-long blocks, and it's even in a bunch of cases closer to half an hour, but I allot an hour. So if you show up, you can come for a specific event, like you could just come for the Eric Wareheim keynote, um, or you could just come for the Business of Videos panel, or the Comedy Music Videos panel, um, or any of the screenings. But uh, we encourage you to stay obviously, as long as, as you're interested in staying, um, as long as possible. So we try and keep the day moving really fast. So if you show up to the festival, um, you're probably going to walk into either a screening or a panel. 
And the screenings are organized by our categories of competition. So this year we have five categories, student, um, narrative, non-narrative, comedy, and unofficial or fan video. So those are videos that were made by people who didn't actually have the rights to the song. Um, sort of like the story I told you about my friend in college, because I think there's some awesome work being done by amateurs um, that should be celebrated as well. But it kind of gets like swept under the rug because of the rights issues. So it's that's sort of like a weird experiment that we're trying this year to have a category for that. But so you might show up and uh, and see a screening for one of these categories. They're usually eight to nine videos, which works out to be less than an hour. Really easy, really fun. Um, and then the panel discussions are, are always a blast. They're really casual. Um, questions and answers. Um, sorry, questions from the audience. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, and it all takes place in a movie theater. So it's really similar to the classic film festival experience, except that the uh, the like screenings aren't as long, <laughs> the events aren't as long. And and what are uh, how are the winners determined in each in each category? We have a we have a panel of really awesome judges um, that sort of span the film, music, and music video industries. So producers, music video commissioners. Um, directors, it changes every year, um, as well as a couple people who are involved in other film festivals. Uh, our partner festival is the European Independent Film Festival, so the winners uh, will be screened in Paris next spring, and the director of that festival is on our, our board of judges as well. So they basically all watch the finalists and um, send us their notes and, and rank them. And we add up all the ranks, and that's how we determine our winners. What do you get if you win? Uh, we have a really awesome trophy oh, nice. <laughs> that I really love. It's, um, it's a hand-bronzed VHS tape. Um, Very that's nice. engraved with our logo. Uh, and uh, so you get a trophy, and you also get your video screened in Paris. Last year, our winner actually went to Paris and got to sit in on the screening, which was really neat. Um, and then we also facilitate meetings. Uh, if you're at this point in your career where it's helpful, we introduce you to these directors, reps, and production houses. You get to take some meetings in the industry, uh, which is especially exciting for our student winners. And uh, we've been able to offer camera packages from rental houses in the past. So we're trying to beef up the prizes. I would love to give big cash prizes and really cool equipment to our winners. But in our second year, I still think it's a pretty cool offering. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, and what is, why the, why a VHS tape? What, what about the VHS tape sort of? epitomizes the music video well it's it's a you know it's a bronzed vhs tape so it's sort of like frozen in time it's this relic you know um so it's a bit tongue-in-cheek i i just look back to the 80s as the beginning of music video culture and and it signifies that to me it's kind of a reminder of where it all started yeah, no, the first thing I thought of was MTV back in the heyday. Obviously, they weren't using VHS tapes, but everybody else was. <laughs> um, that's really cool. And uh, 
and what what sort of response have you you have? Because as we mentioned before, this is the second year for the festival. Um, you know, obviously the first year everything was just gearing up. Now you're uh, established, and you know, in doing the marketing for it, um, you've got a track record. What's the sort of response you've gotten from people inside the industry as well as people who are just fans? The response that I've gotten is uh, is varied. I'd say like. 90% of it is really positive and awesome and, and people saying like, this is so cool. I can't believe this doesn't exist already. Um, directors especially have said, we need something like this. Um, you know, we're so isolated. It's nice to come out and network and to celebrate each other's work, you know, and, and meet the next generation and encourage them. So that's been really cool. Uh, there's this small percentage of people and they're usually like a little bit older. I tend to say people over 30, but that's not necessarily fair <laughs> to all 30 year olds out there. But um, most of the time when I meet someone who's older and I tell them that I started a film festival for music videos, they kind of like look at me like I have three heads and they say, well, why? You know, mm-hmm. like, Aren't they dead? Aren't they irrelevant? There's no money in music videos anymore. And um, what, and what is your counter argument to that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I usually tell them that that's something an old person would say. <laughs> that's a good. We should we should start using that that counter argument because we get that often as well. Do people really? ask people ask us uh, if if we're making a YouTube. A lot of times, if when I try to explain <laughs> to an older person what what our site is, they they say, "So do you mean like YouTube?" And uh, and I and I have to tell them no because that's not what we're doing. Unless unless you're working on something back there, Adam, that I don't know about. No, <laughs> you should just drop whatever you're doing and say you just don't understand and run away. I think that's a good. Yeah, I'm that's... old man. Listen, old, you don't get it, old man. That's what I'll say, even if it's a lady. I mean, it's. It's the easiest response, right? I, I can try and convince them that more music videos are being made than ever before while there are fewer outlets in the mainstream than ever before and there's a revolution and it's a renaissance and all this stuff. But really, they feel like if there's, if there's no one paying millions of dollars, then why should we care? You know, And I think that that... In a sense, there's a validity to that argument just because I think that the focus is now more on artfulness, on craftsmanship, on inventiveness in videos, you know? That's something I love about them, this this idea that the playing field has been evened and you don't need $2 million to make a mainstream music video anymore and that my friend in film school could make one just as good as anything on the top 40, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the charm for me. But if someone, if someone looks at that and just chooses to see it as a negative, there's not a ton I can do except just tell them, you know, wait and see. This is going to be huge. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, it sounds like your kind of age group that you're looking at is in, is in the under thirties. Is that is that right? Yeah, it tends to be. Um, I think that this kind of new wave of music video makers is obviously going to be aging as the festival ages. So um, that sort of median target may move up. But right now, it's mostly like college students, kids who are sort of just out of college. And um, I mean, the directors who were on our up-and-comers panel last year 
um, were USC friends of mine that graduated, you know, most of them were, uh, a few years before me and were really kind of just breaking into things a year ago. And since then, that whole panel, I can't even call them up and comers anymore. They're so well established. They've done huge artists, you know, videos for, for really big, uh, big artists. And so I think it's just moving really fast. And, um, well, what do you think, is sort of on the cutting edge. What do you think that that cutoff is year wise? Because it's something Doug and I talk about a lot in terms of establishing a sort of a timeline of music videos. It starts to get fuzzy around, you know, the early two thousands up to you know two thousand two thousand six. I mean, in, in your mind, yeah. when did this? When did the Renaissance sort of start, and what got that going? Man, uh, that's a really good question. I would have to really sort of look at it, but 2006 sounds about right to me. That actually was probably the year I had the idea for the festival. Hmm. (laughs) Um, 2006 or 2007, something around there. Uh, And I think obviously it had to do with YouTube coming to prominence. It had to do with cameras getting better and cheaper. And I just think that that those were the two major elements that created this like perfect storm. I'm trying to think of what would have kicked it off. I need to do some research. It's a good question. We should we should write a, uh, all all of us write a collaborative research paper on that because <laughs> it's because people give different years a lot of times. So I'm always interested in to hear that because some people will say like, oh, uh, it started in like 2004, um, or some people even say as late as you know 2008, 2009. So. Um, I, I guess it really depends on if you think that it happened when YouTube started or when they started accepting 720p video as well as the um, stereo audio. So anyway, that's a discussion for another another you mean, podcast. You mean online on YouTube when they started accepting that? Right. Uh, I Honestly, I don't think that isn't as important in my mind as just the ability to record mm-hmm. high def. You know what I mean? Right, but um, even before even yeah. before high def, there was like um, like the here it goes again. Okay, go video isn't isn't shot in high def, and that's still kind yeah. of. I think that that video kind of is part of the Renaissance, if not you know one of the key key kind Definitely. of elements in there. So I think that while while high definition was a big factor in it, I don't I don't think that that I, I think the the ability to share it with the worldwide audience is a bigger yeah. probably plays a bigger part. Um, you you talked before about you know the you you have a panel of up and coming directors and 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 how that you know within a year they could kind of go from up and coming to like directing you know videos for major major artists and major videos um so i guess the the true up and comers would be the kids at the omg everywhere camp which uh <laughs> it happens to be benefiting from the ticket sales of the festivals is true that is very true something we're really excited about this year is that a portion of the benefits, uh, a portion of the benefits, a portion of the proceeds of the festival are benefiting OMG Cameras Everywhere, um, which is a really cool nonprofit started by some directors in our directors community uh, to help teach kids how to make music videos, um, LA area kids. And it started as a summer camp, and I think they're expanding into more regular after-school activity type stuff. And um, the idea is just that this technology is so accessible, and 
They have access to YouTube, so they have a platform to distribute stuff. They have access to cheap cameras, so they can make things. And it's basically how to uh, how to get your imagination on board with all this technology. And and I'm really excited by it. I've seen some of the work these kids have done, and I I wouldn't rule them out as the next up and comers. Our student category tends to be college kids, but I don't know. I mean, they're getting younger and younger. And you have, and you have, uh, you know, one of the people we've talked to, Leah McKissick, on I think uh, season two, episode ten of the podcast, is one of your previous upcomers, correct? She was uh, our student winner, our first student winner um, last year, and I take a lot of pride in her success. I don't know if she knows this or not, but <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, uh, Leah, then it's all then. <laughs> You, you you probably want to cut eventually. Yeah, you're welcome, Leah. If you're <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I had uh, I had met her through some friends. She had worked with a band that I knew, and um, she was still technically a student. And she entered and really blew us all away with a really cool video, um, which you guys should post if you haven't already. And uh, I heard maybe. Six months later, I think someone told me that she was directing like a $20,000 video, which was just the coolest success story to me. And um, I hope that we had something to do with it, even indirectly. And that the video is uh, Start by LBCK, correct? Yep. And I think the, um, Doug, what was the video that was 15K? I think, it, what was it called? Uh... Mika Binyami, Nothing's Wrong is the name of the song and Boom. video. Got you. Uh, there we go. There's always a little competition between who can come up with the the facts first. I, yeah, I think I might have heard you say it as I was saying it, but uh, my voice is louder in my own head than your voice is. So there we go. Um, <laughs> and, and how much does it cost to a, a two ten said film festival? It's ten dollars a day. We're selling them the two days bundled at twenty dollars. It's a really good deal for the amount of stuff you guys got going, and including Eric Wareheim, which I know a lot of people are, are really excited about. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's tough to figure out the pricing. You know, I really would love to get to a place where it's free, but um, we're not there just yet. We're still growing. Can, now, can you direct people to where they can purchase these tickets? Yes, if you go to our website, www.lamvf.com, or to downtownindependent.com, which is the theater. There are links on both sites to brown paper tickets where you can buy your passes. You can also check in the show notes of this podcast episode because um, by me saying that, that means Adam's going to have to put that link in there. So That's right. <laughs> and uh, that's just at filmedinsert.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this somewhere else. Um, but uh, and I had a question and I and I com- I completely lost it. Wow. Um, so, Sammy, you're obviously a large, uh, you know, a big fan of music videos. Uh, what are some of your favorites in terms of either um, sort of genres or, or specific videos? Like what are, you know, what are you into right now in terms yeah. of music videos? I um I seem to be just over and over again attracted to kind of like DIY style videos, things that are kind of arts and craftsy. Um, I think it goes back to that Michelle Gondry aesthetic of like, you know, 
building something out of cardboard that's really magical looking and then having it transform in front of your eyes, you know, um, but looking handmade still. So uh, one of the videos that I have just been passing around nonstop um, is one by a band called 17 Evergreen and the song is called Polarity Song and the video is it's like an adventure in a uh, like in a consignment shop and they go into this magical knitted world everything is covered in like knitted blankets it sounds strange but it's visually totally kick-ass um, so that's the first one that's the most recent one that I've just been spreading and in a cool little twist of events uh, it just so happens that after I had been obsessed with this video for a couple months, I found out I knew someone connected to the band. So I believe, it's not confirmed yet, I believe the band, 17 Evergreen, is going to come to the festival and perform to that video live. Oh, wow. Nice. So if you haven't seen it, don't go and watch it. Buy a ticket. <laughs> and see it there on the big screen. And I believe that there uh Videos directed by uh, Terry Timelead, which is a collab video uh, director collaboration, which is kind of a, a trend these days of um, uh, uh, two directors. But the the uh, their duo is called Terry Timely, and so you could probably find it on the site after you attend the festival and see it live. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, we do this cool thing with bands called Live Sync, where we project their video on the screen in the movie theater but we have them play a stripped down live version of it standing in front of the, the screen and they're synced with an earpiece so that the music they're playing really is perfectly timed to the video Wow! and it's just kind of a cool different way of experiencing an artist and experiencing live music and the video itself now that's uh... you should get in contact with the producers of Ellen because I don't know if you're familiar with the music video for Akina Granis' In Your Arms. Uh, it's the one with all the jelly beans. Um, but the music video kind of blew up uh, really quickly online. And then she had uh, yeah. Kina Granis on the show. And Kina Granis played it, played the song along with the video. And they didn't put any thought, apparently, into like sync like that. So it was completely <laughs> out of sync. Um, <laughs> But that no, it's great that you guys that you have that that sync going on because I think that's really key to having that that experience live. Yeah, it's really cool. I think that's been our most popular event. So right now, Seventeen Evergreen is tentatively on board, and we're in the process of locking in a couple other bands. So I always like to have some sort of live music element because the whole idea is to celebrate all the different pieces of a video and to let the audience experience music videos in a one-of-a-kind way. So, um, yeah, that's the live music's really important, and that's what we're going to do this year. Last year we had a concert, but this year we're going to do the sync. And I'm curious, how did you approach Eric Wareheim, and what was his kind of, uh, I mean, obviously he's enthusiastic about doing this. What was his reaction to, to the festival? I, uh, <laughs> if I wasn't already a huge fan of Eric Wareheim's, I am now president of his fan club. <laughs> he is so cool. Uh, I was introduced to him actually by the owner of the theater that we do the festival at, whose name is Jim. Uh, Jim 
is a great guy and has always been really supportive of the festival. We've done screenings with him and obviously the, the main festival itself. And he knew I was a fan and he had done a screening for Eric uh, a while back for Tim and Eric. Um, and always promised to put me in touch. And then one day it happened and, and he emailed me and CC'd Eric and just said, you guys should meet. So I just came right out with it and said, I want you to come be a part of this festival this year. Is there any way in hell that you would be available and interested? And he just wrote back. I wrote this like, you know, four paragraph essay <laughs> on why music videos are so vital and he's perfect and all this stuff. And he just wrote back like, sounds cool. I'm in. Just not easy. Um, oh man, that sounds exactly like my life uh, <laughs> as a podcast producer. Uh, so, what what night is um, is the event with Eric? That's probably going to be Friday night. We're going to do. It's looking like we're still we're still figuring out the final itinerary. But I promise, any day you come, any time of day, something really fun will be happening. So either stay tuned on the website for the final program or just show up. But right now, it looks like we're going to do uh, our comedy panel and then um, screen a couple categories and then have our keynote on Friday night um, and everything else the next day. Now, Is that info also going to be on your on like the Facebook and stuff from the from yeah. the? Is that you who runs that? Um, yeah, it's me and some really awesome um, volunteers uh, who are as excited about this as I am. Someday I hope to pay them, but right now <laughs> they're just really excited about it. Uh, I have um, We have a really awesome new addition this year, a girl named Crystal Holt, who has been um, the champion of posting videos consistently on all of our platforms. So... I can't take credit for all of those, but uh, I, I do my bit, and uh, Colleen Curlin, who's our head of uh, marketing and media relations, she does a bunch of it, too. It's kind of a group effort right now. Now, I know you're focused on the upcoming festival in May, but in terms of horizons for the future, is there, any, you know, is there anything that's you know, not within your reach right now that you want to do in the future? Yeah. Uh... I can talk about that for days. Um, <laughs> you think I talk a lot now? Just get started on my dreams for the future. Um, <laughs> we could we could do a multi-day podcast or a multi <laughs> multi-part podcast. We've got uh, the we've got the space. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Um, let's see. The main thing I want to do. Well, sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts so that it doesn't run into the multiple day realm. Um, <laughs> I really want to expand to other cities. Um, I am currently in the process of exploring setting up a music video festival in Miami, oh, which I think would be really awesome. Um, I also want to do more events year-round. Uh, even though this is not your typical film festival, I compare it to film festivals just structurally and. Film festivals really, in order to stay relevant, need to have programming year-round and uh, and engage their communities in order to grow. So that's something I really hope to do. More screenings, more sponsored concerts and things like that. Um, but right now I'm doing the festival in my free time, and so is everyone else who's helping me. So 
that might not happen for a little while. But you never know. So if if you are in the LA area and you want to go to the, the to the festival, um, how can you hook into you 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 have it on uh, Facebook and Twitter and you've also got a Tumblr, right? Yep, um, we have a website www.lambf.com, Facebook slash lambf. Um, our Twitter is la music vidfest. We even have a YouTube channel, which is LA Music Vid Fest as well, but uh, right now there's not really a lot up there. I'm hoping to change that um, soon. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I think the easiest way is just to go to our website, which will be brand spanking new on April 16th. So that's exciting. Oh, wow. And another exciting point, if you want to meet in person Doug Klinger, Doug is going to be at as an attendee, but ser- but it's still a celebrity appearance at the <laughs> festival um, next month. So you can uh, it, it'll be fifty dollars to take your picture with Doug, <laughs> which is a bargain. It really uh, is. Really, I'm gonna be. I'll be the guy with the light up hat uh, that says filmed insert that is gonna interrupt you while watching the music videos during the screening. <laughs> so the guy you hate, it will be me. <laughs> Check out. Check for that. Well, I would say to everyone listening, if you're a maker or a fan of music videos, this is really a one-of-a-kind event, and um, it's just a big love fest, and you'll get to network, you'll get to see how videos are pitched. We have a live pitch event where directors um, have a couple minutes to pitch their ideas to a band, um, and you get to see that whole process. You'll get to meet directors and it's just a lot of fun. And also, the venue serves alcohol. So if you needed one more reason why you should come, it's to get a beer and watch music videos. I'm so glad that, um, that an event like that exists. For music video fans, that's that's uh, really tremendous. I don't use that word a lot, but I'm gonna use it right now. Are you jealous that I'm that I'm going and you're not? Not at all, because I have. Um, you know, speaking of business cards, I have Sammy's business card here. She has business cards. We don't. Or behind the times. Uh, I don't know if it's Greggy from Quality, but it is extremely <sighs> extremely quality filled. Um, I got a whole bunch of really fancy business cards. There are all of them will exceed ours in fanciness. Can you should you say it lamp? That's that's the they they uh, brief at L A M V F. What kind of info? What kind of info you think we should have on our should uh, have our our cards? Should we uh, give a like a fake mailing address? Yeah, I think you should have your number. I think you should have your number. Should we have beepers? Would that be fun? have beepers i mean that's uh is that the new things are going to start to kind of kind of like come backwards and i think beepers are going to be the new cool thing mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna go back to flip phones and then to beepers so we'll we'll take it one step ahead of that maybe oh, i wonder if there's an app like an iphone app that's a beeper hold on you hear you well you you know the big news today that that uh, that uh, google bought uh um candy grams Is even candy grams? Is that even a thing? Candy grams, yeah. 
Or no, I'm thinking of uh, Honeygrams. What are the bears? Teddy Grams. Teddy Grams. Ah, oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Po Dubs. Uh, okay, who wants to go first? Who firsties? I can go first. Okay, do it. Okay, so uh, you guys are all familiar with David Lynch, I assume. And if you're not, David Lynch is a director, a very uh, what I call him. Strange director. He's known for his strangeness. But he's also very prolific. He's also very prolific. Well, here's let me read you some of his movies. You, you, if you went to film school, you definitely saw Eraserhead, um, Elephant Man, like uh, Dune, uh, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks, uh, which was a TV show, um, and a few other ones as well. Um, and he's just known generally as as a strange guy. He actually has a very entertaining Twitter account if you ever want to check that out. But um, one thing I did not definitely not know about David Lynch is that he is a musician as well. And uh, he, I wouldn't say recently, I believe it was 2009, released a, an album called Crazy Clown Time. <clears throat> and... Uh, I originally saw this on Video Static, and I, I, I started playing it without hearing the, uh, you know, without reading the, the little blurb they wrote about it. And I said, "This sounds like a cross between Tom Waits and Daniel Johnson." And of course, Video Static, uh, Stephen Gottlieb at Video Video Static describes it as such. It is, and if if you are familiar with uh, either of those two artists, you know that it's not exactly the stuff you put on at like a barbecue. It is very odd stuff. So. Um, just recently, uh, David Lynch came out with the video, music video for uh, the title track off the album, Crazy Clown Time. And it is uh, bizarre in a number of ways uh, that only Dave, David Lynch can uh, can kind of provide. It's seven minutes long. And that is not like, uh, the, you know, um, Tenacious D seven minutes long when there's two minutes of audio or of music and then the rest is just sort of a skit. This is the entire song. And it takes place in a backyard barbecue. And the way the song goes, it's basically describing things like um, somebody poured beer on somebody or somebody took their top off. And this is uh, basically these people perform all of these actions. So it is basically like a one-to-one lyrics-to-action correlation. It's like watching a really uh, nightmarish diorama. People are, are obviously being goaded on by Lynch to be as strange as possible. And I, I just uh, I encourage people just to put this on. Uh, watch it to the end because you really don't get the whole atmosphere unless you kind of watch the whole thing and kind of let yourself uh, have your time wasted by this. And um, and it is, of course, directed by David Lynch. Who else would direct a David Lynch music video than but the man himself? So it is crazy clown time. Uh, David Lynch directed by the same. Great pick. Thanks. No prob. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, my pick of the week is by a band called Tan Lines, and the song is called All of Me. And this video is directed by uh, Mighty Boosh co-creator Julian Barrett, who um, is also the co-star of Mighty Boosh. And if you're at all familiar with, with Mighty Boosh, either their either their live show or their uh, 
TV show that that's uh, uh, obviously started in England and then came over to America. It was shown on Adult Swim. Uh, Julian Barrett is more of the straight man of, of the two, but he's very hilarious also. And 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 this video is is hilarious as well. It, it it's kind of cut from the Adult Swim kind of cloth. It's got a lot of the elements that you'll find in like a in an Eric Wareheim directed video. Um, the concept of the video is like a very like official looking gentleman in a coat kind of like goes into a dimly lit restaurant I, I guess restaurant you know hall of some sort with tables and chairs you know somewhere where maybe you'd expect just like have a have a bar mitzvah or something like that um like a ballroom or something but uh there are a bunch of kind of you know straight-faced adults in in suits kind of just sitting uh, lifelessly at the table, uh, at the at the at their you know individual tables, and this man kind of comes in and he shows credentials, and there's a old TV in the front of the room, and he opens his briefcase and he has a cassette tape in his briefcase, and he plays the cassette tape, which has got like a very old school television performance of the band Tan Line performing their song, and uh, once the song begins, uh, one man. One older, fatter man kind of stands up and begins to dance the song, and and then the the rest of the people kind of get up and and begin to dance this very kind of choreographed, weird, like overly planned straight inch dance. This Tanline song, and then the song ends, and this the trench coated man removes the tape from the VCR puts it back into his briefcase and leaves. Um, it's very eerie and very hilarious and very strange and awkward all at once. Uh, and uh, very enjoyable to watch. And the song ain't bad itself. So uh, that is my pick of the week for this week. Tan Lines, all of me. Check it out. I'm going nuts here. What is the... Oh, Minivan Highway. There's a shot in this music video, the uh, Tan Lines music video, where they like pan by the keyboard and they show the keyboard. Um, and it reminds me of the shot in Tim and Eric Minivan Highway, where uh, it sees three middle-aged men playing music on keyboards. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great. Oh, hold on, you got to say it again. You yeah, broke up. Great, I, I, Minivan Highway is a good one. Ah, damn it. It doesn't matter. What matters at this point, except for how great this episode was to now. I mean, could we really even improve it at this point? It's been so great. No, it isn't. I mean, we, what's the point in going on? We should just uh, stop right now, cut our losses, and then call this the end of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We definitely will.